This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. My name's Christopher. Friends, we are continuing in our series uh, called Exodus, drawn out to draw us in as our kind of strap line. Um, and this morning we're going to particularly be focusing on Jethro, lessons for Moses. But we continue to look at the, the story of God drawing out the people of Israel from Egypt and then drawing them in to his big story. And Moses, as his name in Egypt means, is drawing out. He was drawn out of the River Nile uh, by the princess of Egypt. We know he's raised in the palace. And he then gets in trouble uh, for, for murdering a, an Egyptian god in protection of some of the, is the Israelite slaves. He rushes off to spend time in exile. He meets... Uh, a girl at a well, um, and Zipporah becomes his wife, he, he gains a family, he gets a father-in-law, as we will discover in this story, and um, he has some kids, and God me- meets with Moses on the mountain, and he tells him, Moses, I want to use you to draw the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into relationship, friendship with me, and into freedom, into prosperity into a life of abundance in the land that God will show them. And um, God does a series of miracles, uh, which we call the Ten Plagues, and eventually He breaks the will of Pharaoh to hold on to these slaves, and He tells them to get going. Moses uh, Moses gets the people, gathers them up, and they set sail, Um, they head out, but Pharaoh changes his mind, chases after them with chariots and horse and spear. Um, and there promises to be a great clash, and in fact, the clash happens at the Red Sea, but it's God who does the fighting on behalf of the people of Israel, and instead of using spear and uh, chariot, He opens up the Red Sea, calls His people through, um, and as the the people uh, leave the other side of the Red Sea, He closes in the water and destroys the pursuing Egyptian army. It's just a wonderful story. And um, it's just a story kind of bound up in the miraculous. God just carries on doing wonderful things in support of His people. So He then leads them with a pillar of smoke in the day and a pillar of fire at night. He provides for them food, water, daily. And then He also, as we heard in the last couple of weeks, He provides for them the law, the wonderful law which speaks of how they are his precious possession, almost as if they were his brides. We're talking about how the the Ten Commandments are almost like marriage vows. It speaks of the love of God and our response to that love. 
and then how that response helps us to put away idols, to choose the things of God that are good and satisfying and fully joyful rather than the idols of life which promise so much and always fail to deliver and bring pain and hurt along the way. So we begin this morning's reading in Exodus chapter 18 as we're doing a little bit. If you've been just tracking where we are in Scripture, it's sort of we've been flip-flopping a little bit. Um, it really doesn't change much to the, um, the flow of the story, the narrative. It remains wonderful, wonderful. And we're going to continue the process of looking how God draws out His people uh, out of slavery, but today adding, drawing them into a new identity and new responsibilities as the people of God. So we're reading in Exodus 18. We're going to read the whole chapter. So we're going to go full on. So here we go. Verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home. So obviously, uh, for her safety, he sent her back to her father so that um, he can look after her while Moses is busy. And along with her two sons, the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner uh, in a foreign land, a traveler in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Great names, if there ever was any. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, again, there's just something, this name keeps coming up a lot in this passage. So we're, we're, we're told, guys, listen to what's going to happen, what Jethro is going to say, and his impact on the story. The writer here is really drawing our attention. So Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. They don't really get too much of a mention, but he gets loads. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. So what about your wife, Moses, and the kids? Maybe they got a peck on the cheek. But culturally, the father-in-law was the big deal. So they went in, they honored him. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, kissed him. Okay. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro Moses' father-in-law brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw, uh, saw all that he was doing for the people, 
He said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Pause. This is an interesting verse in that it speaks about the laws and the statutes of God before the laws have been given. So many scholars have looked at this and they thought maybe the writer has done this purposefully. It changed the the writing, the order um, of the scripture. But it's interesting to just note. So the laws that we spoke about two weeks ago is a couple of chapters in the future from where we are reading right now. So just when we're reading, let's, let's think critically about these things. We're not just zombies, right? We're listening intently. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men and women from all the people, in this case, just the men, but look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, men are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their places in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went away to his own country. Well, Father, thank you for this wonderful scripture that has come to us through thousands of years that we get to enjoy, that we get to listen to, that we get to read, that we get to engage with, we get to learn from. So we ask that you speak to us, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, engage our spirit as well as our brain so that we can hopefully engage our hands and hearts in response to it. So, Father, thank you. We pray that worship would flow uh, as we love and appreciate your word this morning. Amen. So I think the first thing you'll notice, uh, and if you've been in business or in leadership or anything, uh, this verse uh, or these scriptures, these verses are not uh, uncommon to you. You would have come across them often, and when people are talking about the practicals of how to do leadership and delegation, um, 
and business practices. And I think the danger for us is that we approach it this morning with a sense of numbness. We kind of, yeah, we're, we, we've heard this, we've seen it, what on earth can one say out of it? Um, and I think the, the importance is that we just individually say, okay, God, out of this, out of our story, our big story that's tracking through, that God draws the people of Israel out so that he, they can be drawn into him and into his story, so too, to say, okay, Father, you've drawn me, draw me out of my story, out of my life, out of my priorities, and say, draw me into yours. So let's approach it with that this morning. Wonderfully, in our story today, I think we begin to see the reversal of a whole lot of people who were being drawn along in their own story, in their sort of selfish minds, apathetic living. I think even the, the moans and groans and the murmurings that Steve preached on a couple of weeks ago, it's just the sign that the Israelites were a people who were just caught up in their own little world, living for the here and for the now. And our story, we start seeing God shaping, putting something together that that these apathetic goat herders with no responsibility are drawn into being men and women led by God, able to endure, who are at peace with one another and with their God, and able to create a culture. They're busy creating a, a culture in this group of people, which is the sort of seedbed of the multiplication that will take the glory of God and the presence of God into all the earth. Something wonderful going on here. Let's not miss these little details. So truly, I desire that this to be our continuing story as well, not just for the Israelites, but for us. Increasingly, freed from the slavery of patterns of bad thinking, bad and destructive behaviors, habits, which we call sin. We call missing the mark of God's good and perfect will for our lives. And believer, Christian, or not, this morning, I think you would agree that, that these bad habits, which you'd probably be able to put your finger on even right now, they destroy our bank balances, they sear our conscience before God and before one another, they steal our time, they damage our relationships, and they shorten our effective lives through stress. So the answer for the Israelites, as it is for us, He draws them and us out that we might be drawn into Him. And like the Israelites, so that we are able to be led by God, able to endure for the long haul. That's why we come in here week in, week out. One of the reasons is, is that we can meet with God so that He can lead us, so that we can endure the rigors of life for the long haul, and that we're able to live with peace with God and with one another. Living with peace with God. I, I hope you've got peace with God this morning. And if you don't have peace with God yet, it's just wonderful that you're here exploring what it means to have peace with God in Christ Jesus. So, last thought just off the bat. Um, is that I love the fact that the story centers around family. 
Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, um, had been caring for Zipporah, his wife, and the two boys whilst Mo was, was away. And all this good stuff that we, we're going to be talking about today comes from the reuniting of family who care enough for one another to say what needs to be said. I think family of God first. We, we need more of that. I need more of that. People who care enough to say what needs to be said. Tell me where I'm messing up. You don't all need to do it all at once because there's enough <laughs> of that. But So, lessons for Moses. So in order to bring just a freshness to this passage, we're going to do things slightly differently. And imagine yourself in the tent, in that discussion where Jethro is talking to his son-in-law, Moses. Moses, a great man, once said, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. So, sit down and listen to me, Moses. Now, obey my voice, Moses. I will give you advice, and God will be with you. There was a time, Moses, when, when you had it all. You were it all. Egypt, bureaucracy was the standard of the day. Things worked like that. There was a godlike pharaoh, and he called all the shots. It was the only leadership style you knew, Moses. And it's the only leadership style your people ever knew. Now, they say, I, I don't like it, but it must be right to sit in a queue all day waiting to see an NHS do doctor. I mean, to see you, Moses. That's how you do things. But, Moses, I am so inspired by hearing the stories of what God has done for you and His people. Parting the sea. <laughs> I, I am an old man, Moses. I have lived long and see much. And I think there is a better and a higher way for you and these people. I know that Pharaoh and the Egyptians acted arrogantly towards you and these people, Moses thinking they were better than you, enslaving you, taking away your power to choose, even to choose life for your children. This is a dreadful thing, Moses. God was angered with this. But beware, Moses, that you do not step into the same snare as Pharaoh. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to carry it alone. Moses, you are a fine man, but you are also a finite man with finite time and ability and resources. Your people are finite beings with finite time and patience. They won't sit around waiting for you forever, Moses. But God used you powerfully. But don't confuse being used by God for people with being God for the people. Moses, the end of this road 
is as bleak as the one that you've just fled through the Red Sea from. It's a dead end. It's a dead end for you, and it's a dead end for these people sitting around looking at you as if you alone had the words of truth and life. You don't. Moses, haven't you read the studies that say stress is a killer? 74% of the UK adults this year, Moses, have experienced moments of excessive stress to the point where they are unable to cope. Oh, stress, Moses. What do they stress about? Oh, that's a good question. Well, the men stress mostly about the workplace. And the women stress mostly about finances. And they both stress equally about their health, especially over the age of 55. High levels of the stress hormone can cause high risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, higher risk of stroke and heart attacks, and lower immune functions, lower learning and memory ability. Those are a lot of highs and lows, Moses, that you and your people do not need. It might not be dying by the whip out here in the desert, but it certainly isn't living an abundant life either. Yes, you and these people will wear yourself out. So what do I suggest you do, Moses? That's another very good question. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do uniquely. Drop that idea of being God for these people and embrace your role as their leader. They have a God who is looking after them and showing them the way that they should go in this wilderness. They need a leader to step in between them and God. A leader to represent them before God. At the moment, only you can speak to God face to face like as to a man. Use that time, Moses. Bring the cause of the people before God. And then bring the perfect will of God back to the people. Mediate for your people, Moses. I know you're not perfect. I'm your father-in-law. I know you will. But God, God won't always listen to you, but you alone can intercede for these people. Leadership means carrying their heart and their needs and their future as if it were your very own, Moses. That is the joy and the weightiness of leadership. Don't secretly moan about those stiff-necked, hard-headed people in your community group or church or workplace or tent camp, Moses. Cry out for them. Call out to God for them, their lives and their souls. Moses, I have heard that your God seeks to fill all the earth with His glory. And this will require a people who know that they are loved by their God and can represent Him into every corner of the earth, doing every job on earth and speaking every language on earth. They will need 
God's power and grace and presence to do this, Moses. Be before God in prayer for your people. I'd say the same if you were a teacher or a chemical engineer, Moses. Pray for the good of the people that are in your life and that you are leading. Stand up for them and stand in for them. Yes, represent the people, Moses. Warn them. Rebuke them. Correct them. Train them. Disciple them, Moses, with your words and your lifestyle. Warn them and show them. You are a mature man, Moses, near to God. That gives you a unique look into the heart of God and the will of God. Use that gift and that privilege to speak fatherly wisdom and grace and peace into the hearts of those who look to you. Moses, I've raised my own family and done well at that. You married my daughter, Zipporah, sitting in the next tent. So you know that I know what I'm talking about. And whilst you were off dueling with that Pharaoh, I had to look after your two boys as well. Now, I know my little band that I brought isn't the 2.4 million people that you are leading, but still I have some wisdom to bring to you. Teach them, Moses, like a father would his children. People say a picture is worth a thousand words. I agree. Let them not only hear the way God wants them to live, let them see it. Let them know that it is better to follow God and be near to Him than to fight and argue and squabble all the time. He loves your people. He knows what's best for them. He will, in fact, move oceans, destroy armies, provide water, food, and the wonderful law. This God, Moses, is worth you following all the days of your life and worth you giving every one of those to helping others see Him as clearly as you do. Yes, warn them and show them, Moses. Moreover, Moses, look for able men and women from all the people as chiefs. The order here is so important, Moses. The ordering of it. When... As your main priority, you represent the heart of the people before God, and you represent the heart of God before the people. You will warn and teach and correct and show with the love of God. Then, when you do this last thing that I will tell you, you will do it out of love and not only to make your life easier. I can only imagine how hard things were for you, Moses. How lonely, how frightening. Your family life has been a mess, Moses. Why would you trust people? Your work life in the palace has been a mess. I understand that you don't trust people. Your journey out of Egypt and slavery... Well, let's face it, these are not the best 
2.4 million people to have around when things get tough either. I understand why you can't trust them easily. But listen to me, Moses, from where I am standing, hearing and seeing everything that God has done in these last few weeks, I think it's time to take a serious risk on some of these people. After all, it's not the people you are trusting in. It is your faithful God working in them that you are placing your trust in. You, Aaron, and the elders, choose men and women. Choose faithful men and women, as faithful as you can find them, and delegate to them to lead themselves and the people of God well. Let, their lead, let them lead according to their abilities and their strengths. If they can handle much responsibility, put them over much and over many. If they can handle less, give them less responsibility. But in all cases, Moses, trust that God will use them and grow them into the men and women that God has made them to be. If this thing you are doing in this desert is to flourish, it requires every man and woman and child to experience the closeness and empowering grace of God for themselves, not just through your words, Moses. As you release them to lead, something wonderful will happen. <laughs> it will be hard for them. <laughs> but in the difficulty, they will learn to trust and rely on God for themselves. And before you can say, Mazel Tov, there will be a whole group of people who are as strong and courageous in their following of God as you are, Moses. This is a good thing. After all, Moses, when this is all over, and you enter the promised land, and God begins to fill the earth with His glory, and you plant churches into London and the great cities of Europe, God will use those men and women who have shown themselves faithful over little and give them charge over much. Yes, look for able men and women. Lastly, before this old man goes to bed, the thing I'm secretly and selfishly most excited about, Moses, that if you do this thing that I have told you, you will have more time and energy to look after my daughter <laughs> and those two grandkids. You can be a family for a change, Moses, but not only that, you will have the chance to be a father of not only those two boys, but to a people as numerous as the stars in the sky. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure the rigors of life, Moses. You and all the people with you will be at peace and will flourish with God. I am an old man now. My days are mostly behind, but I... I felt almost reborn last night during the feast with Aaron and the elders when I, I brought the sacrifices and the burnt offerings before the Lord. Oh, Moses, something happened 
during that time that I cannot explain. But there is a faith, a trust burning in my heart that I cannot see or put a name to. But those sacrifices felt right to bring before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I spent my life as a priest of Midian, not of your God, but of my gods, my people's gods. But nothing compares to seeing the true God move on behalf of His people. I have, I have no doubt that He will continue drawing you all out. Drawing you out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of sin, out of death, and drawing you all into His big story. Good night, Moses. Sleep well tonight. Psalm 90, which is a psalm of Moses, in the last couple of verses reads, Return, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's just so wonderful to hear the words of, of Moses years after this experience where he's heard and learned and grown as a man, grown as a leader. The people of God are, yes, they all die in the desert. God raises up an entire generation of men and women who are able to enter into the promised land, who are able to cross the River Jordan. And these structures that Moses had put in place that speaks of the heart of God, it's not just delegation. It's not, let's get the job done efficiently. It's the heart of God for people that he demonstrates through this passage. And this longing that Moses has in this psalm, even 1,400 years before Jesus, we have Moses realizing that there is more to come. Oh, return, O Lord, how long? Moses knew there was something better, something more lasting to come. That his trust was not placed only in sacrifices and offerings but that there'd be one who would come in the time, in a future moment to fully satisfy the demands of that wonderful law that they'd heard that would allow them peace, total peace, final peace, final rest. One in whom there would be the ultimate words of truth and life. And that there'd be one whom queues of people would rightfully come and wait to see and to hear from. Jesus. In whom there is abundant, of, abundant life. Not eking a 
desert existence, but full joy and satisfaction and peace to be found in Him. One who would be the true and ultimate representative of the people and for the people, and who sits forever on the right hand of the Father where He intercedes for us and for the people of Israel. And Moses looked in faith and in longing at these moments, knowing that the the best was still to come. The ultimate one who would stand up and stand in for His people in taking their place and their sin and their shame, their punishment on the cross. His life was the final sacrifice and offering that allows the favor and the peace and the steadfast love of God to rest upon us. And we're going to enjoy communion now together. Um, and I love the picture of the feast with Jethro sitting with Moses and Aaron and the elders and their, the burnt offerings are made and they're thinking, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? Somehow please God, somehow put these things in that I would be known and be loved by God, that my sins would be forgiven, that I could be made right with God. And we get to sit on the other side of this feast, the same feast, but we get to eat and drink of the final sacrifice, Jesus Himself. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.